and welcome to Talking Teachers. I'm Emily DL and I'm here with my co-host Oliver Wright. Hi Emily, really pleased to be here and really looking forward to this episode. It's going to be great. Um, our episode today is called Why Coaching Matters in Leadership and we are really, really excited and very lucky to have two incredible guests with us. We've got Matt Deshane and Catherine Powell. Good morning to you both. Good morning. morning. Nice to be with you. Thank you. How are you both doing? How are you, Catherine? Yeah, I'm good. I was just saying I've had three weeks off, so I'm, I'm just getting my brain cells back in order. But it's a, a real joy to be with you on a on a Monday morning. So thanks for having me. Oh, and how about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've got a bit of a sore throat today, but other than that, I am fine. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's been a strange summer, but um, all good. Thank you. And you've just got a new dog, haven't you? Yeah, we have. Yeah, so she's um she's full on. Um, and uh, <laughs> is keeping us on our toes. And then also Dougie, my husband, has got um, kidney stones. Oh, so nice. we've been in and out of accident oh. and emergency, and he's got mm -hmm. an appointment tomorrow with a specialist. I'm hoping they're going to ultrasound them and blitz them tomorrow. Oh, um, so, yes, yeah, so it's been, it's been one of those summers, really. But the puppy is gorgeous, um, oh. and it's a lovely distraction. Oh, everyone should get a dog. I think that should just be a rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. Everyone should just get a dog. Um, so a little bit about our guests, both of you. We've got Matt and Catherine, and we'll just talk to you, Matt, first, if that's all right. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about the work that you do and what your background is in teaching and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, of course. Um, so I work as a leadership executive and wellbeing coach, predominantly with school leaders, but I do work with people outside of education as well. Um, and mainly i do that as i do one-to-one -one coaching with head teachers lots of it's on zoom so i you know I work outside of a, an office in my house but across the country now um and do group group work with that with head teachers as well um and then before that i was a head teacher of a primary school in kent um and then i moved out of uk education into international development and worked between london and northern india where i worked with rural and tribal schools on the border with pakistan and northern india and developed coaching and leadership programs with head teachers from uh, the uk that we delivered in india and worked with schools um and then i went self-employed in 2019 officially kind of towards the autumn then of course pandemic hit so my world shifted like everyone else's um but actually it's been okay early on was quite tough but now what people is busy people i think head i've discovered that head teachers need people to talk to and that's where coaching is so powerful that mm. all through the initial turbulence of when schools first closed and there were key workers and people writing, writing risk assessments and shielding letters and so on and i think once that had we didn't die down, but once I'd eased a little bit, people then started realising they wanted people to talk to. And that's where it kind of took off for me. Is then people saying, actually, we just need an independent ally who's just going to listen and not judge and just be open and let me talk. So that's kind of where it's gone, really. Um, and I'm hoping that the autumn term brings real life meetings with people um, yes. because I'm lucky to work virtually, but equally coaching is a people-led job so actually it's much nicer to be in a room with people doing it yeah fantastic yeah and um and Catherine you are the director and founder of KP&A which is uh, providing executive coaching can you tell us a bit about that and how you got to where you are now yeah and I was just listening to Matt's story thinking um god there are so many stories for for, for how we ended up where we are but um uh, yeah I, I mean I work as an executive and team coach so um similarly to Matt I do a lot of work in education 
um, but I also do lots of kind of commercial work with businesses and, and really my specialism is, is female leadership. So I generally work with female leaders aspiring to see the senior leadership or uh, chief execs of multi-academy trusts or head teachers. That's that's kind of my my piece, really. And how did I end up here? Now, that's a question um, my mum my, my would say my mum was listening to this and I suspect she will listen to this. She'd say I was really people curious from a really young age. I'd often wander off and stare at people and be kind of really interested in them. And I think that led me to, to go and train to be a psychologist. And then I did a whole variety of jobs, which I guess is another podcast entirely, but uh, jazz singing and working with leaders in retail and all kinds of stuff, but nothing quite hit the mark. Um, so I retrained as a teacher, did my PGCE, felt like I wanted to have positive impact on people's lives. And I was really lucky. I found myself in this amazing school in my NQT year who employed a psychologist. And she was an incredible person, Steph McKellar. She did personality stuff with us and then trained us all to be coaches. And really that began my coaching career. I would, you know, I would say that's my style. I took it into headship. I became director of education of a multi-academy trust. Um, and have used coaching, I'd say it's been the magical power for me that's really helped transform children's lives, leaders' lives. Um, and then a bit like Matt, about four years ago, I opened a business. I'd been working with a national college, working with uh, on a coaching programme for women in leadership, working with lots of female CEOs and head teachers. And then, yeah, and the business kind of grew from there. So it's a, it's a total joy and privilege, particularly in the weird year that has just been. Um, it's been a, a privilege to work with people, really. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you both. Um, so today we're talking, obviously, about coaching. Um, and I, you know, obviously we hear the term, we hear it a lot kind of around school uh, environments and within within teams. But for anyone who's never really experienced coaching or or is kind of wondering what it's really about, could you uh, explain it to to our listeners as to kind of what it involves and and really what the end game is for it as well? Gosh, what a question! I know. Yes. I was like, <laughs> please, I was like, please, I was like, please let Catherine, Catherine. 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 now. Um. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I'll, I'll kick it off, and then um, Matt's brilliant, so Matt will, Matt will add lots mm. to it. Um, I think for me, I have a great belief that you should lead just as you are. So you, you don't need to be more courageous. You don't need to be more man. You don't need to be more woman or anything else. You just need mm. to be who you are. And for me, coaching is about working out who you are so that you can lead people in the best way that you possibly can. So for me, it's about uh, helping people to unpick their values, their beliefs, what they really want, um, and to give them that space really to, to think clearly. I mean, how often as a leader do you actually get space to just think and process? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, I don't know, Matt, Matt, if you want to add to that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think for me, the most powerful bit is the space and the time. Mm -hmm. You know, as often as, as adults, we don't really get one-to-one -one opportunities with people, that like we have our friends mm -hmm. and so on, um, you know, and leaders have their leadership teams around them. But there are lots of times when there are things that you just want to talk about with someone who's not invested in the same way or talk through things that are just kind of mulling, you're mulling over, but you haven't quite formulated into something you want to share more widely. And yeah. it's that opportunity to sit with someone and say, well, I'm thinking about this. I want to just talk it through. And then 
for me, my job as a coach, I think, is I just ask lots of questions. Um, I've really, I'm a bit like Catherine, kind of really interested in people. And I used to call it nosy, and then I realised that wasn't so professional. So now I call it, now I just say I'm really curious, which sounds much more professional. Um, And I'm just curious about people, but equally, I believe in people. So I want them to be the best they can be. And if I can help that process by just listening, talking, um, you know, and sometimes it gets quite emotional. I have a lot of people crying yeah. and just that chance for people to feel that it's safe enough for them to be able to do that mm. is just it, it's a massive privilege. But it's really just to help people be the best that they want to be. And how how do they get there? Because, you know, we're all yeah. navigating choppy waters mm-hmm. and just to have someone say, yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's just really yeah. lovely. Yeah, I was just thinking somebody um Somebody said to me once, leadership is like a um, like a, a cash machine. You know, uh, people take lots of withdrawals, but not many people make a deposit. Mm. And uh, it, it's and I, I love that analogy because I think often what happens for leaders is your thinking falls out sideways. So you might mm-hmm. be standing in the shower, or you've gone for a walk with your kids, or it's Sunday and you're trying to cook the roast dinner, or have you know mm. be out with your mates. Mm. And all that thinking stored in your head. And I think what coaching does is it just gives you that space to, Mm. people often say, clean clean my thinking up, order it, sort it out, help me Mm. to work out how to move forward. I think it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really powerful space, I would say. Yeah, and I have a lot of people at the end of it, I just say, you know, how are you feeling? And they say, oh, I just feel lighter. They yeah, just feel absolutely. like having someone to talk to that sometimes I sit and I think oh, I don't know how coachy this has been um, yeah. but equally they just like the opportunity just to talk it out and then often people say oh I'm just rambling I'm like well it's your time use yeah. it as you want it's, you know it's not about me and it's just it's just lovely to have people like I think people some people think it's really indulgent to have mm-hmm. that time one-to-one but it's the absolute opposite of indulgence yeah. you know and it I had the same thing when I went and had some counselling and have coaching and just the chance for someone else's viewpoint is just so helpful. Mm. I think it's interesting actually because when I've heard of coaching in the past and we're going back maybe kind of 10 or so years now it was very kind of like trendy and a bit kind of a fad and you know people didn't quite sustain it as much Mm. as maybe it should have but I just wondered um, kind of why it's important for school leaders to consider implementing such a an, an, an initiative within their school you know what would be the benefit or, I know we've talked a bit about the benefits there but for leaders as well as their staff yeah that's a great question <coughs> I, I was going to say um I'm a great fan of Bruce Tuckman's work on on the change curve for teams and I think what's quite interesting is Lots, I think as a leader in a school, often you can get caught in a trap of trying to do the right thing and to um, please others and to, you know, follow other people's instructions. And I think as teachers, there's a lot of programming around um, us making sure we do things in the right way. And I think what coaching does is it allows that diversity in thinking. It allows leaders to safely explore the limits of their own thinking and to have a go at stuff, but knowing that you have that person within your school setting that you can bounce those ideas off, you can think about the risks, you can think about the choices you're making, and actually you can, you know, you can really achieve something that you might not otherwise have done. I think it, it um, it's a space that unleashes, I would say. Would you agree with that, Matt? 100%. And I think but the other side of that is that's where the risk sits. 
is yeah. that potentially you're you're helping people develop and evolve and think yeah. differently and critically that equally that also has a risk attached that people might move on to other jobs or they might try and do things differently so i would say thinking about that culture in schools with coaching all, all organizations really is start with the why why do you want to do it and what do you want to achieve by it and then work it through and i think you're right emily i remember when i was i think as, as a deputy and we started doing coaching and it didn't really embed and i think it's because we didn't really understand what it was so yeah. i think we were kind of mentoring a bit and we were trying to use coaching style conversations but it still sat within a bit of the appraisal system it wasn't we hadn't it was a bit muddy I think and so I think if you're working within schools you think well how do I bring coaching about is why do you want it and what difference do you think it will make and then how do you set it up carefully so that you've got the right people paired up so that it's not rooted in hierarchy or those things do you know I was just thinking that that word faddy that I think you've hit the nail on the head because I think sometimes you know, we, we can set coaching up in a, in a tokenistic way, but actually just to, to kind of emphasize Matt's point, it can be as simple as we just start with asking questions rather than, than giving the answers, you know, so it might be that we start really small and instead of setting up, you know, a whole kind of coaching program across the school, what, what we might do as leaders in a school is just simply say, when someone knocks on my door, I'm going to just change my language to begin with so I'm going to start asking the questions rather than giving the answers and see what happens so I, I think to have real substance it starts with the language we use and how we use that with other people before we get to any place where we might start to implement a wider program if that makes some sense yeah and, and people have to know why they're having it you yeah. know it used to be someone, they might think oh it's punitive or i'm doing it because i'm failing or i'm one of the high flyers so i get it so it's about people knowing when they walk into it i mean you catherine also said that you know when someone's come to coaching because they want yes. it and when yeah. someone doesn't and it's a really it's a, the dynamic is so different depending on who has come and what they've come with yeah i'd completely agree with that so there, there's some really careful thinking about who you pair together as coach and coachee and actually does the coachee have a choice in that relationship mm. because mm. the one thing that's pivotal in coaching is is the relationship with your coach because this is the one place where you can just totally be yourself yeah in in every way for good and for bad um and so you've got to click with that person and you've got to know they're not going to performance manage you or judge you yeah yeah um and that's that's a complex dynamic mm -hmm. Does that need to look different for different people, different sort of phases of their career as well then? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Different, yeah, I mean. Because you've talked guess... about leadership and, and obviously, you know, the, the coaching that would happen for a head teacher would be very different for, for the coaching that may happen for a, a, an early career teacher or or somebody who's, who's taking on new responsibilities. Do you know, I, I think from my perspective, and again, um, I'm, I'm sure um, Matt will offer uh, his opinion on this, but for me, I think there are three things always to be thinking about when you're working with other people. Um, for me, the rule of thumb is coaching isn't always the answer. Now, I feel like a traitor no. to my own trade, right? <laughs> yeah, that's um, very true though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It totally is because there's a time for an honest conversation, right? Yes there is time for mentoring so if you're an nqt and you just want to know how to do something you, you know yeah. that's about mentoring and honesty yes. and being told 
and coaching is kind of the next level so coaching is yeah. once i've got all the basic bits and pieces here's how i can use my thinking to really move forward with these things so so yeah. for me i think in schools and in leadership we've got to be thinking in three ways about people does it need an honest conversation does it need mentoring or actually is this the right time for coaching yeah and i think sometimes it's also a mixture of all of those things as well like mentoring yeah. stop. so I know like setting my business up I'm a couple of years behind Catherine Catherine's really mentored me in how to sort, sort my business out how to think about who I want to work with and so on so that doesn't yeah. that doesn't stop and we went to a conference together which now feels like years ago but doesn't it I know it was Wigan I think we went to but yeah. I remember but I remember there was a CEO um there talking about her coaching so she'd gone through lots of coaches no, hadn't it hadn't worked, but she'd got one that, where it had worked. But what she said that was that was really transformational for me in my thinking was she said, I didn't want pure coaching. The answer didn't always sit yeah. with me. I wanted somebody yeah. that maybe I could say, what do you think about that? Or do you know anyone who might be able to help me? Or what mm -hmm. do you think? And so I've learned from that moment is actually there's definitely bits of what you'd call pure coaching and asking questions but sometimes you need to unlock the door for somebody yeah. and I feel if I know something or know someone who might be able to help I almost have a duty of care to say I know yeah. somebody who might be able to help you do you want to know who they are um, because yeah. otherwise it's like guess what's in my head um, which is which is a waste of time so was, I think I go between different disciplines but yeah there's lots of the skills that are the same so asking questions you can ask with an ect you can ask with a mm -hmm. head of year you can ask with a head teacher um it's just the context is different yeah yeah i think and maybe uh, that's a really interesting point and i'm just remembering that conference that does feel like a whole lifetime ago. I, know. I can't believe it crikey <laughs> um um but i'm sure i've aged considerably in the time that's passed <laughs> you know, uh, but but you know I, I was just thinking about that and thinking you know it's about agreeing with the person you're coaching yeah. you know contracting with them about the different ways that you might work together and, and i think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make as coaches is that is that we can think that coaching is just a big guessing game and sometimes when we know something like i, I i'm a great believer in the phrase i can't unknow the stuff i know like there's mm. there's a reason I know that stuff. And actually as a coach, as long as I've agreed with you that I'll share it with you if you want it and it's appropriate, then then I'll do that because otherwise it's a big guessing game. And that's that's not really the essence of coaching. The essence is to help that person to move forward in the best way you can in, in the way that they want to really. Mm. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because when I've had um, so-called coaching sessions before, and bear in mind, this was back in the time when it was, a, you know, the initiative of the year. Along with learning styles. It was the initiative of the year and we kind of got these like these handouts and we, we were paired up with a kind of coaching partner. And then <clears throat> we kind of had these conversations. And for me, I'm the kind of person I think that you were just referring to is the kind of like someone I want to go into a conversation with someone and I want them to listen to my ideas and tell me whether they're good or not. Like, I want that kind of that kind of relationship. Whereas when you're in a coaching uh, scenario, which I need to kind of when I'm if I ever go into them, I have to kind of remember this is not a session. It's First of all, it's not a therapy session. Second mm -hmm. of all, it's not somewhere where I'm going to get answers or opinions from the person I'm speaking to 
And I think sometimes it's worth kind of highlighting that when you're going into a coaching relationship, let's say, uh, mm-hmm. where you you know have your coach and you have these conversations, you're not there to get uh, reassurance and affirmation necessarily from them. It's about kind of laying your ideas, thoughts, feelings about the stuff and coming to that realisation on your own. Mm-hmm. Am I right? I I think there's a lot of truth in what you've said. Uh, What I would say is clients often say, or they do for me, often say, what do you think about this? And I think that's a really interesting question. Mm. Typical coach, I'm going to say that, aren't I? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, I, I think that's a really interesting question. So my response to that always is, do you really want me to tell you what I think about that? Mm. And, and usually the client says yes. And so we might have a discussion, but then importantly, I might take it on too, but I am intrigued about why it's important to you mm. to know yeah. what I think, mm. because then we're getting into how that person ticks, you know, mm. why don't they feel confident yeah. in their own thoughts? And actually is that holding them back in their leadership? And mm. is there therefore a deeper piece of work we could do in coaching that would help them to move forward? So I love that question because I think that leads to Pandora's box of brilliance in coaching <laughs> yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely because like I think um it's it's definitely worth kind of mentioning the fact that you know, some people I would say maybe go into coaching looking for answers when actually they've got the answers themselves. They just need yeah. the confidence mm-hmm. in which to instill yeah. them and implement them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes it's just really helpful to to hear yourself saying things out loud. Yeah. So lots mm-hmm. of things that it, it helps with that um, kind of commitment to action when you say it out loud and then you say, oh, mm. okay, right, I'm going to go away and do that. And then people feel like people say to me, oh, you have to hold me accountable to this. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's kind of, I can do that, but equally it's for you holding yourself yeah, accountable right. to it. But you can, we can check in and we can talk about it next time and about what happened and what went well and what you do differently and so on. But it's, I think it's just, a, it depends on what people need when they come to the session. And I think mm. that's the, one of the first questions for me is like, what do you want to get from today? Um, and then that's what we work on. So I, you know, early in pandemic, I've never led in a pandemic. So actually my knowledge base was mm. pointless. You know, I've not written 25 risk assessments in a weekend on bits of guidance and so on. So actually my questioning was quite different. Um, and I think maybe the next academic year working with heads will be probably more what I would have done pre-pandemic in terms of future planning and people thinking strategically and getting back into leadership and so on. So I think, I suspect it'll be different, but really it's just my job to hold the space, ask the questions and say, what do you think? What are you going to do? What could you do? Yeah. And actually we have to be really careful as coaches about leaving our opinions at the door i mean mm. if you work with a client for two hours really uh, the art in it is for us to be able to clear our minds and just entirely be with that person and what's going on for them yeah. i think your point emily and then kind of matt's follow-up on that is really important if if we become too big in the process if our opinions become too big then we're actually going to disable that person's capacity and ability to think for themselves to their their kind of fullest level so Mm. you know that's a kind of really important discipline for us as coaches not always easy um but (laughs) important, important discipline definitely 
And the thing is that people, like when they, people think about what they want to go away and do afterwards or in between sessions is what's important for me is to think I would do something in one way and they're going to do it completely differently. And it's for them to think what's comfortable for them. And my job, I think, is also to push the envelope a little bit. What could happen if you pushed it a bit further? But equally, I know that the things that I would find really challenging to do someone else will find really easy so it's about supporting them to find out what works for them so that they can really stretch their thinking but in a way that doesn't put them into a panic zone and then nothing happens and they seize up Mm. and that's where the relationship with your coachee if you like is because you get to know them and kind of their way of uh working and how I suppose the psychology Catherine kind of comes in there with kind of getting to know who you're talking to and how they work and able to kind of facilitate them to to be well like you say the best that they can be yeah yeah I think that's a really good summary I I think for me I'm always trying to think on on three levels with clients so I'm trying to think and ask questions and hold the space around the dilemma they're bringing I'm trying to work out what's going on between us in our relationship in the room and whether it's enabling or disempowering, you know, the ability to think. And I'm also curious about that the whole person in front of me, their values, their beliefs and how that might be empowering and disempowering what they're doing. So, yeah, there's a huge amount of psychology in it. And um, both Matt and I are great advocates of supervision because you hold people's stuff. And so therefore, you know, as coaches, as good coaches with, you know, um, working with the EMCC, we, you know, we have to go away and process that stuff and make sure that that we've got the cleanest thinking that we can have for our clients, really. Yeah, I, I, I say supervision is I've got a big I've got a whiteboard in front of me behind my computer that says book supervision because she's emailed me. So I, well, I need to book my sessions because I thought, well, I've got yeah. the summer off, so I don't need to have it yet. So I'll have it early in September. And yeah. it's just been it's really important. I mean, and I did wonder, there must be like a king or queen supervisor somewhere who sits at the top of the pyramid yeah. having all the supervisors. I don't know who they are, but um it's really helpful for just to offload a bit and just to talk things through. And I had a big group activity coming up um, at the end of July and I had supervision before. And so what I brought to supervision was what was coming up to enable me to think it through and think, well, how am I going to facilitate this group? And that uh, that's where the power comes. And it's interesting for coaches to go and have coaching because also you pick up, like, so my supervisor, Isabel is amazing. And I write so many notes and then I, can hear myself in coaching asking the questions that she asked me yeah. and so that's like professionally it's developed me as much as anything because I think well that was a really cracking question that got me to open up that's going to work somewhere else so it's really helpful. Is there a place for for schools using that if, if they're trying to embed a coaching culture within the whole school is 100%. there a place for having some sort of supervision Ooh, yeah. Yeah, within that and, and how can they do that? Well, they, buy in, they, buy, they buy in people like me and Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nicely. Yeah, yeah nicely. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, it depends how you do it. I mean, because what you can do is you can get people trained in coaching and then they, yeah. they can work together and support each other. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's about finding the right mechanisms. But ultimately, I think it's about having someone who's a bit detached, a bit independent, but still cares about you enough to want to listen to you. Yeah. And then you can just talk it through. So... You know, I do some coaching with with groups of schools where part of the session is me supporting them through their own coaching. Like, oh, how did that go? But then they also have their own time for coaching themselves. So there's different ways around it. But I think all of that talking and practice just gets you better at it. So if you have someone else who 
can just ask you the same sorts of lots of questions then it helps you become a better coach anyway but you carry a lot of baggage at points potentially to so say that all of those talking therapies we've got you know whatever that part of the spectrum they're on you can't hold all of that yourself um and as Catherine said you want to go to a session clean and present and ready so you have to talk all those other things through and park them um and i found some of the pandemic coaching really tough because people were having really challenging times but i also knew that i was living in a pandemic as well so i had to yeah. make keep myself topped up and buoyant and how yeah. does where do I fit in the world now and so on so you just have to park it and then move on I think that's it that's really interesting isn't it because uh, just going back to talking about fads and maybe like 10 years ago when coaching was the thing and you know we were kind of all beginning to roll out you know co coaching cultures but maybe not always understanding what we were doing uh, you know and I'm definitely guilty guilty of that at points in my own headship and leadership but um it's I think what we what we have to remember is it's not just about the coaching it's also about the skill and the art of coaching and you know we can coach but then we also need that supervision within schools in order to really look at the art and the practice of what we're doing. It's it, it's kind of not the case that you train to be a coach and then it stops. It's an ever evolving kind of iterative process that that you know that that you're on really. So I would massively advocate, and I'm thinking about schools that I work with, do action learning with, senior leaders that I work with. Um, I, I would always uh, be having conversations with them about their coaching culture and then working with them, thinking about that kind of supervisionary approach around the technique. You know, what are the techniques we're using and how do we build on that? Yeah. And it's no different to implementing sort of like curriculum changes. Totally. So you wouldn't just you wouldn't launch it in September and then never go and never revisit it and then just assume that everything yeah. works. And it's the same thing with coaching. It has to sit within your CPD structure. You have to know why yeah. you're doing it. How is it going to develop people? And then you have to keep on dropping in and saying, is it working? Has it gone awry? Do we need to change anything? Um, in, in the same way that you do any other initiative or implementations in organisations, you'd you drop back in, you check it, you evaluate it, and then see, oh, do we need to do something slightly differently? Yeah, completely agree. I think I, I think I know the answer to this, but um, <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. Because... We'll ask your question back then. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, obviously, I think the crossovers with coaching uh, and its benefits to people's mental health, um, kind of the NLP type um structure is there are there crossovers is it useful um for for that and I, obviously like i said i think i know the answer but i'd like to hear what you guys think of that and the kind of benefits on on mental health do you know i don't know i, I matt kind of alluded to this but um certainly over the last year for for my business leaders particularly in education investing in coaching has gone through the gone through the roof and it's gone through the roof because people have had to deal with so much. I think, you know, the most senior leaders in schools have had to put their smiley faces on. They've had to deal with multiple risk assessments. They've had to deal with, you know, a New Year's Eve doing, you know, um, looking at different DFE guidance and rolling that out. And I think never more have they delivered their civic duty. I mean, they've That's been right. totally incredible yeah. in every yeah. single way. And I think if ever there was a case for coaching, supporting well-being and mental health, the last year has to be it because yeah. 
these people came in their droves and they didn't just talk about their leadership challenges. They talked about their own emotions and feelings and experiences in this horrific time. And I think for me, what I saw happen for people is that they were able to dust themselves down. They were able to kind of get back in touch with themselves, their own emotions build the strength and then go out and put that smiley face back on, do the risk assessments, do the stuff they had to do and make life really good for the kids and people that they serve. So for me, I, I you know, I, I couldn't advocate more highly how much coaching does positively affect mental health and wellbeing. I don't know if you agree, Matt. Completely. And, and what I said, and because, it, and it's a really dynamic process. It's really supportive, but it's yeah. so rooted in the present and the future. It sits separately to things like counseling and therapy that people might need to go and do that at some point. And I, if I, you know, I would signpost, I have signposted people before towards counseling more than coaching because I don't think they're in the right space. Um, and I know that there are times when I've done wellbeing coaching and this, this is so non-technical, but I can feel it in my stomach. <laughs> it's going yeah. in a direction that I'm not comfortable yeah. in and I will stop yeah. it and say, I think we're going in a, in a direction that isn't coaching. Um, yeah. And I've had to learn how to stop the session and say, right, do we need to stop or take time out? Um, but it's that thing of being able to talk through immediate challenges or future ones and clear your headspace. But yeah. it's not dealing with things that would be sitting in a counselling space. But Kathleen's absolutely right. I think head teachers that I worked with just before the pandemic and through it, and uh, it has been a different journey that some of the sessions have been much more about them as, in, as human beings, as individuals, less about work. And then there's other sessions that have been more about, I don't want to talk about home and the pandemic. I want to talk about my strategic planning. And it's like, okay, that's fine. We'll go yeah, where yeah. you want to. Um, so I think as I've learned to be a bit more flexible and to have less or fewer preconceptions about when I sit down in the chair and think, oh, I've got that person, that's likely to come up. And then it doesn't. So I've learned to be more responsive um, because the pandemic has had to make us like that. Yeah, I was just thinking Nancy Klein has, um, I quite often quote Nancy Klein, she's written some amazing books, but she she often talks about the acronym WAIT, which stands for Why Am I Talking? And I think for me that that sums up coaching. It's not my job to give an opinion. It's not my job to tell you what to do. It's my job to listen, to ask the questions and just give you the space, whether that's space to process emotional stuff that that is about what's holding you back in terms of the future um, or whether it's space to you know look at your strategic plan or to think about your next dilemma or to talk about your deputy head who's driving you nuts or whatever it is that's going <laughs> yeah. on you know that's that's you know that that's that's what I you know I'm sure Matt as well we try to come to with coaching and I think it you, what you realize is it's unhelpful in the end mm -hmm. to come with any preconceived ideas about your clients in any way at all and just to turn up and be with them I think that's yeah. the, the biggest gift you can give anyone to listen and be with them mm -hmm. yeah, that's right we're um we're coming to the kind of the end of this session unfortunately I've been so um inspired by what you've been saying and I think I think I could do with some coaching because I definitely, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely yeah. relate to the why am I talking uh, acronym because I just I should probably play that a few times in my head every now and again. But um, <laughs> no, I was just thinking for those people who are listening and think, yeah, actually, this is something I really want to kind of pursue. Um, what might that look like for someone do you do kind of like block sessions is it is it a long-term thing is it a short-term thing and also how do people get in touch with you if they want to 
it's a it's a mixture really it honestly it depends on what people want really so so generally for me with a with a with a school leader would normally do something like six sessions across an academic year one a term mm-hmm. um some people say oh actually i just need three because i've got an immediate issue can i see once a fortnight um so it really depends on what people are after but for me, what I quite I do quite like sort of six across a year because it means it's got people have enough space to do the thinking and the work in between um, without it feeling too pressured. Um, so it really is it's really flexible. And then there's group activity. So, but I think most coaches, I think we all work slightly differently. But it's just checking and saying what do you want. So, um, what I would say is it is it is transformational. It is like I know that I can feel it. When I come out of a session, I think, oh, that was really great. That was really magic. Um, and there were some sessions where I probably haven't even spoken. And I just asked yeah. a couple of questions and people have just yeah. spoken for two hours. And I come out, I think, I don't know if I earn any money. Um, <laughs> actually, I didn't do any work. But equally, they, they've done, they did what they needed to do. Um, so it's about why you want to come into it. And I think for people who are thinking about coaching, the first bit is like, what do you want to get from it? And why do you want it? And why now? Um, and what maybe has stopped you from doing it before. Um, and But that's part of that initial contracting stage is that exploration of understanding of what coaching can and can't do. And as Catherine said, it, it's not a panacea, you know, so it doesn't fix everything. Um, and it's hard work at points, you know, it can be quite raw and emotional and draining because talking about ourselves is, is not an easy space at times. Um, so you have to be prepared for the hard work, um, but it is magical at the same time. Um, and I'm very lucky to be able to do this as a job. Um, so if people want to get in contact with me, they can find me. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, and my, hat, my handle is at Matt DeShane. Um, my website is www.mattdeshane.com. Um, and I'm more than happy to have a talk with people about potentially what we could do with each other um but equally find me on twitter if you want some advice about how to do it in schools i'm more than happy to help and Catherine, and I, I would just echo a lot of what matt said really i mean for me absolutely you need to come to coaching because there's something that you want to work on um it only really works if there's something that you really want to tackle um and what i like to do similar to matt is i like to have a 30 minute usually zoom or a face-to-face meet up with the person and and really get an idea of what it is that they want to achieve and how they'd like to work and whether we could work together because that relationship is really important and then similarly if it's people um you know educational working in schools then generally it's it's six sessions across the year because that's nicely spaced and gives them time to do what they need to do but it's flexible to people's needs and some people stay for six sessions and other people stay for 10 years so it's yeah. you know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of mm. dependent really on, on what the situation is um yeah. In terms of getting in touch with me, I'm always happy to, I do a lot of kind of pro bono support for women in leadership. So I'm really happy to talk to anybody in schools, multi-academy trusts, um, you know, uh, women in leadership, men in leadership. That's, you know, really happy to talk to people. Um, Best way to get in touch with me is either look on my website, which is www.leadwithoutlimits.co.uk or my Twitter handle is lead wo limits so lead without limits really essentially and you can message me there and it's always good to meet people and and to have a chat thank you so much and also we've we uh, i've got to do a plug for twinkle slt we do have actually quite oh, yeah. a lot of coaching um resources on our um 
landing page if you go to twinkle.co.uk forward slash slt and you look at the uh, the coaching resources that we've got there i'm sure they kind of tie up with lots of what um matt and catherine have been saying today um guys thank you so so much Are for coming on today uh, we totally. really love talking to you great. um i just wish we could talk longer but um <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have a brilliant uh, rest of your summer, whatever that looks like for you. And obviously, kind of uh, as as the term comes in, everyone should get in touch with these guys. I'm sure they're going to make a real difference in in your life and and, and your school as well. So thank you so oh, much, both of you. Thank um, you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. What a joy. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great lovely. talking to you. Thank you for having us. Take yeah. Care. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Talking Teachers brought to you by Twinkle SLT. We have resources for all school leaders in SLT, whether you're middle leader, senior leader, to help you lead your school effectively and save time. Check us out at twinkle.co.uk forward slash SLT. See you next time.